trigger warning. This podcast is intended for men. Not boys, not babies, men. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. Unfortunately, can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the patriarchy. Don't say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And that is Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to The Patriot. My name is Tony Depani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today? Well, I'm not eating a sandwich. That's uncalled for. I'm not eating anything. Ah, oh, now are you on one of those like air fasts again or something? No. I mean, I wanted to eat something. I actually came to this new restaurant thinking that uh, it would be, you know, some really good food. It's everybody. Uh, um, everybody was telling me it was a really good place. Uh, it's called Karma. Oh, okay. Sounds like, a, like an and, Indian restaurant or something. Yeah, but they don't have a menu. You just get what you deserve. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just, but can you order your just desserts? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. That's what you get for dessert. There's just desserts. Yeah. Oh, my. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay, that was actually slightly funny. Wow. Well, I too actually don't have a sandwich. I don't have a bad pun though. I actually have something real that I'm eating. It's just not a sandwich. And no, it's not a cheeseburger muffin. No, don't ask. I'll tell you when it's a cheeseburger muffin because those are special occasions. I love my cheeseburger mm-hmm. muffins. They're good. There's like new okay. there's new fans right now going, What the heck is a cheeseburger muffin? Oh, you just wait, oh fan. One day it will come back. I, I hear I hear their finger licking good. The cheeseburger muffins? No, whatever you're eating. Well, it's because you know what I, it's because you know what I'm gonna eat. <laughs> well, you know what? No, technically not. Not finger looking. Oh, I guess it could be depending on if you shouldn't eat this with your hands. It'd be super gross. What am I eating? Okay, well, what did I eat? So I, I don't know if you're a, a big KFC fan or anything like that. But when when I used to live in Chicago, they used to have this KFC down the street from where my wife and I lived. And at the time, they came out with these things called mashed potato bowls. And basically, it's it's a bowl with mashed potatoes, gravy, uh, corn, uh, like 
not chicken nuggets, but like uh, breaded uh, chicken pieces or something like that. And um, like melted cheese on top. I mean, it's absolutely a heart attack in a bowl, but the thing is, it tastes so good. And so my wife actually recreated that for uh, our family tonight. And it was really cool. She had like little bits of it all out so you could kind of make your own and, and mix it in. And the kids really liked it. I really, I, mean, I really liked it. It's, it's, it's very good. Not something we eat all the time because that, that would clearly kill you if you ate it all the time. But very good. Yes, I guess finger looking good, maybe. Uh, although I would not recommend eating that with your hands. Although I will say my one-year-old did eat it with his hands. Uh, it was all over him by the time we were done with it. Um, so that probably was finger looking good for him. But So not a sandwich, but... Uh, very good. That sounds very good, though. I mean, it's, it, it probably it's, took your wife a really long good. time to prepare all that. Um, yeah. I mean, she she got. She's I mean, raising the chickens, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, butchering yeah. them, <laughs> and <laughs> harvesting the potatoes out back, and uh, <laughs> yes, um, milking the cow and making cheese. That's uh, there you go. Yeah, make it. Yeah, making that cheese and then shredding it because it was shredded cheese. And uh, uh, I actually don't know how you make gravy. Um, how do you make gravy? I don't know how to make gravy. We don't need to talk about that. You got a little bit of uh, grease or, or, sure. or um, yeah. broth, I'm, and then you have flour. So she probably had to uh, get a meal. Does she have a meal to, to, ground, to grind flour? Well, yeah, she, she had to, yeah, she had to harvest the flour and then uh, grind, yeah, yeah, grind that down and make it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty. So she started, uh, I, I guess, uh, I mean, she started like two days ago. <laughs> Seven seven years ago seven to make years, this meal. Right. <laughs> it's been seven years in the making before before our kids were even born. Like, uh, you guys do yearly uh, menu planning. You plan yes, next year. She, she plans way in advance. Uh, yeah, clearly, clearly, yeah. <laughs> she she every time we get to this and you start asking what my wife does to make it, she she listens to these episodes and she's like, why does he always ask if I make all this by hand? <laughs> Sorry, honey. Sorry. But hey, at least I have something that my wife legitimately made uh, when I come to this segment. And I am I am bragging about my wife's cooking. So, honey, if you're listening to this episode, good job. That was a phenomenal dinner. And I love your cheeseburger muffins. Uh, bring them back. And then I'll talk about them again on this, on this, on this show. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that being said, we have a segment we haven't had for a while, uh, which is sort of our catch-all segment, uh, but we're bringing it back. So, listen to this. This is a uh, video from CNN, the Communist News Network, um, and it's entitled, Women Debate Fat Acceptance. So, brace yourself. I do agree that there is stigma that I have to deal with because I am fat, but I'm, I'm actually really in celebration of my body. I find beauty and diversity. I think we come in all shapes and sizes. And the assumption that we've dealt with a lot on this show is that just because you're obese, you must overeat. You must have an eating disorder. I know that not to be the case. I know you Well, it doesn't happen by magic. I, I, I'm going to go there. Um, I know that we don't do video, uh, but... Uh, you can find this video on YouTube, and there are two ladies on the screen at the moment. Um, you can tell me if the one that is speaking uh, is is uh, naturally obese, if that's a thing. Because, um, yeah, no. You can have a healthy relationship. Now, Mimi, you say this is misleading. Go have at it a little bit. 
Well, I certainly think that we all want to feel good about ourselves. That's understandable. Um, I don't think people should feel demeaned uh, by their size. And I also couldn't agree more with the message of daily exercise. No matter what size you are, you'll certainly benefit from daily exercise. You can't be healthy without that. Um, but then let's talk about where we disagree. Um, look, if you want to feel good about yourself, it's, it's impossible to feel good about yourself when you're doing something that's self-destructive. Also, self-destructive behaviors that result in damage or debilitation or even disfigurement to the body, that's never is going she, to be perceived. Yeah. Is what? she talking about like transsexual stuff too? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, it applies. Uh, it applies. Uh, yeah. She is from, uh, hold on. What's it say here? The National, I'm trying to find it. It's like the National League or something against yeah obesity or something like that. But she, yeah, it's going to get, it's going to get interesting here in uh, just a sec. Let me see if I can find where we just were in that video. Hold on. The, the thing is that uh, I think that the Hayes approach, the health at every size approach, has been documented to work. And it's been documented to work year after year. What do you mean work? What do you mean work? Because a health at every size is a lie. If you starve yourself no. into damage, that's unhealthy. Or if you eat yourself into damage, that's not healthy. You're making so, a lot of assumptions um, That's just not, here, that's not true. You're making that's a like lot of saying, assumptions that's like saying about that weight let's being say you were a smoker. Let's say you're a smoker and have black lungs and you try to say that's healthy because you don't have cancer yet. We know that the, the, it is actually factual that obesity is dangerous and it's connected to cancer, stroke, Alzheimer's. We even know it's connected to a, an increase in birth defects. So there's nothing left to debate. Maybe. It's not beautiful. It's not healthy. I think you need to separate the idea of weight from healthy mm. behavior. Yes. Now, I have students that when they come to me, when they start my class, they can barely walk from the car to my class. And over the course of a year. Yeah, man. So, so it's an interesting debate that this is happening. So it's kind of blows your mind that uh, there are people now arguing that if you are um, not just overweight, but obese, that you can be healthy. And, um, and, and sometimes there are there are uh, health recommendations for weight that don't quite match frame. So sure. people have different frames, sure. and yeah, so absolutely. there's there's one thing to be big boned, but like to be obese and then to just have fat rolling off of your body and to call that healthy, it blows your mind. I think we talked we uh, um, I don't know who somebody shared this uh, picture online of uh, I think it was Cosmopolitan or some other. Uh, women's magazine with this like really just heavy woman on there and, and the cover was like health healthiness or something like that yeah I've seen that yeah it's and it's not it, like you said there, there's a difference between somebody who has a different frame um, like there there are again there there are two uh, technically overweight ladies on the screen and one of which she is overweight but it, in comparison to this other lady next to her, is, is nothing. I, th this one lady in the, who, if, if you look up this video again, it's, it's from CNN. It's on YouTube. It's called "Women Debate Fat Acceptance." Um, the woman in the pink, uh, the lady next to her who is overweight. Uh, this woman in the pink probably weighs twice what she weighs. Even um, I mean, she is clearly not healthy. 
and yet we, we're we're sitting here trying to accept that she's just she's perfectly healthy and she's fine and she's not going to have all sorts of health repercussions later on, and it's just because hey, society says you can be what you want, you can do what you want, you don't have to, you know, restrain yourself at all. Just just be happy. Yeah, well, I mean, we've done this is our culture that we live in. It, so it, this is no surprise when you consider. Um, that a man, a fat man in a dress can be our health director, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. When men can pretend to be women and uh, women can pretend to be men, it's just, um, it's just ridiculous. I, there was a thing where uh, I think Joe Biden mentioned something about protecting women to have an abortions. And there was a... Man who pretends to be a woman who wrote back saying, "Well, not all women can have abortions, and so uh, maybe oh, you just say that, the women's yeah. with uterus, and you're just like, <laughs> oh goodness, yeah, we've is- lost our minds as a nation, mm-hmm. and uh, part of it is because we we're at this stage in in the in the history of our nation with so much wealth and luxury." that we don't we just we we've been enslaved by this world and the things of this world to the point that our minds just do not work well mm, that's so for sure. we cannot think well um scripture is full of admonitions warning us uh, give giving ourselves to the things of the world and how it can destroy us for example proverbs 25 16 if you have found honey Eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, <clears throat> we are a nation vomiting up our luxury and wealth because we have given ourselves to the things of the world with ingratitude towards God and rebellion against Him, and it's just destroying us. Um and so, you know, Tony, the, the, what we wanted to talk about today is then how we as men can be virtuous. And, and one of the virtues that men have to have is, is a thing called temperance, uh, which is really the antidote to what we've been talking about. All right, a, a man without self-control is like a, 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 a city with his walls broken down and everything's trampled on under. You're just you're ripe to lose the battles. And and not the just the battles, but the the battle to be taken over by the devil and and brought to hell because a a, a man without self control does is has no way of living in holiness and and the Bible says without holiness no one will see the Lord. Well, you have a definition of temperance in front of you, don't you? Because I think that's I think that's helpful because I think a lot of people have a false or not quite clear idea of when they hear temperance. I don't think they rightly think about it. I think they think about the temperance movement. They think about uh, just going completely away from everything and not being able to like have anything enjoyable whatsoever. Um, so yeah, let, let's let's lay out a definition for temperance so we can kind of clear that up and then, and then kind of move on. Yeah, so you know, the, the Latin word for temperance is is a um, the base word of that is something we use in a, another phrase, which is to temper a sword. Mm-hmm. 
that's the heating and cooling process of forging a metal blade. Um, so you're basically you're you're heating it up, you're cooling it, and you're bringing the balance into the metal uh, between these two temperatures to harden it, and it it, it, it enables you to sharpen the edge of that metal into a fine point and then to make it into a sword which is deadly something a weapon so we, when we think of what it is it's yeah it's useful and it won't be broken easily right um there's this show that we uh my my family likes to watch called um forged in fire uh have you ever i don't know if no, you've I've seen heard, that i haven't heard of that one it's kind of like the old like some of those cooking shows where like they they have to cook a product and the judges judge. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, uh, some uh, blacksmith have to come before uh, on the show. They're giving a sword or something that they have to make, and they're given some metal that they have to use to make it, and they're given a certain amount of time. Hmm. But one of the things they're always talking about on that is when you um, you put that metal from the hot into the water, and uh, that's a very crucial time. Because uh, if you haven't worked hard, you haven't hit the the metal hard enough with the, your your hammer, and you haven't uh, really perfected the heat level and just really brought it to the right balance. When you do that, which is called quenching the sword, you either introduce all kinds of cracks and fragmentation into it, or you um, warp it, and basically it's no good. Mm-hmm. Um temperance then works like that kind of thing for us that is it is uh, a virtue that within us moderates attraction and desire for pleasure and helps us provide balance in the use of created goods uh thomas aquinas calls it a disposition of the mind which binds the passions uh basically what another way of saying it is Temperance is the ability to be a master of everything and mastered by none. Mm. That is to, to use the things of the world rightly and in their proper use without being mastered by them. And so um, temperance is kind of that, that the mastery of your will, the self, the control of your will so that you can say no to desires, no to the instincts, and rather do what is honorable. And uh, you know, in the in the New Testament, you you see it often uh, mentioned as moderation or sobriety. Yeah, we're to live sober, upright, and godly lives in this world. One of the things is if you don't have moderation, or and and if you don't have temperance, you don't have self control. You're just a wind blowing. I mean, you're just a, a reed blowing in the wind. You, uh, you can. You're going to go along with whatever, whatever uh, things are happening in the world because you are enslaved to the things of the world. Whereas a man not enslaved to the things of the world can both enjoy it and also um, still have joy in suffering. Mm-hmm. As Paul says, whether he has much or he has little, um, he still has, uh, he's still content. Now, that doesn't come automatically. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For one, it is a fruit of the Spirit. 
right? So it is a gift of God. It's one of the gifts that God gives us, but it's not automatic in, uh, um, and just like, well, you know, you're just going to wake up one day and have it. Well, fruit has to grow. Fruit, so, yeah. Fruit has to grow. We have to be connected to the vine and, the, and, and we have to be connected to Christ. And then we have to practice and exercise self-control. This is one of the reasons that Christians have practiced things like fasting. And, and, and there's always a ditch that you go into, which is the kind of um, don't touch, don't handle, don't taste thing that the Paul, Apostle Paul warns against, which is this idea of legalism. I'm going to refrain from the things God says is good and make a, uh, make a principle out of that. But there are times to refrain from even good things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, um, so this kind of lays the foundation for it. I think there's a, there's a man that's been in the battle for quite a long time. He's, he's faced, uh, uh, being arrested for protecting, uh, the, the preborn and, and has set a good example of this in his ministry. So that's, Let's, let's have him on, and let's talk a little bit more about this. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be on the line with Pastor Matt Truella of Mercy Seat Christian Church, author of The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates and writer for DefyTyrants.com. So stick around. You are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. Hi guys, this is Henry, with an I. Just, you know, wanted to let you guys know, um, I mean, let you men know, yeah, uh, that if you want some manly man merchandise, you can, you know, head over to confessionalware.com and click on podcast collaborations to, you know, get some manly, wah, patriarchy merchandise. It, you know, be a good idea if you didn't smoke cigars or anything worldly like in their logo, but, uh, you know, it's good to support manly stuff. Uh, like my pastor, Pastor Deborah, always says, behind every manly man, there's a manly woman. Oh, no, that's that's not how it goes. Oh, uh, if the man is the head of the marriage, then there's a woman with her hand on his neck. Uh, no, no, that's not it either. Well, anyways, go support the Patriarchy Podcast and buy some merchandise at confessionalware.com under podcast collaborations. I'll uh, figure out what Pastor Deborah said, uh, you know, Next time I see her at Yoga for Jesus class. So, uh, yeah. Bye. line with Pastor Matt Truella. Matt is the pastor of Mercy Seat Christian Church in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. He's co-founder of Missionaries to the Preborn, author of the books The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates and the Magdeburg Confession, and he is a writer for DefyTyrants.com. Matt is married to his wife Clara of 39 years, and together they have 11 children and 23 grandchildren. Matt, welcome back to the Patriarchy. Good to be with you again, Tony. 
All right, Matt, what's that? It's always good to have you back and, and uh, good to have you with us. Uh, we did an interview with you a while back and uh, we deleted it or because all the audio was bad. So we want to kind of go after that, that, that topic again. So if you don't mind to, if it, if it won't be a problem, uh, if you'll have us. Uh, <laughs> no one's going to know what you're talking about. Okay, so for people that are listening. <laughs> So for people that are listening, when Matt when Matt originally called, I think I don't know what I said to you. Oh, that's because I didn't take your first call when you called, and then you just were like, "No problemo," and this has been this joke until we went up to recording it to this point. So so that no one's lost this is why we're cracking up here. Okay, so no problemo. That's good. No, seriously, we, we are glad to have you on the show, and uh, we did want to talk to you about uh, temperance and, and really about how um, uh, young men can be in the battle, the battles that uh, God has called us to, and, and how often we get taken out of the battles. I remember you uh, preached a pretty good sermon a while back on this very topic of, of the young men in the battle and, and kind of the false battles that they can get into. And I, I think that kind of touches in on the base of temperance. So um, maybe just kind of start us off on, you know, maybe a little bit about that sermon that you preached. Yeah, well, that's something I have seen um, over my lifetime. I'm 60 years old now. I've been walking with Christ for 43 years almost. And I've seen a lot of men over the years taken out of the battle because they get consumed by some vice. Uh, pornography is a huge one. I've seen many men um, fall to that. And of course, it unmans men so that they're no longer carrying the virtues of good men. It degrades them, um, flaws them in so many ways of being able to have a clear conscience in the sight of Christ in order to do the ministry that they need to do in order to speak to a culture and nation that's an abject rebellion against him and has a huge problem of sexual sin in so many areas in so many ways. And so, yeah, they fall into that and then they feel that they have no right to speak out and they're sidelined, sidelined from the battle. And and it's not just those areas I've seen men. It's also um, video gaming, movie watching. It becomes like an addiction where men just want to sit there and put their minds at ease and play these dopey games for hours on end. And it is a feigned fight. It is a false battle. Our nation is burning itself to the ground right now because of its rebellion against the Lord. And here's Christian men, preoccupied, distracted, consumed with sports, video gaming, and nonsense like that. So, when it comes to self-control or temperance, that is a huge matter that we need to put to the fore in our lives. It is a fruit of the Spirit. When you read Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control, of course, is a virtue of self-government. God established three great governments, family government church government, civil government, they're meant to produce within the individual self-government, and self-control is a massively important virtue for all three of the great governments, but also for 
self-government. So um, the scripture has a lot to say about it, and it's important that we demonstrate it in our lives, that we exercise self-control within our lives. What it means is restraint. You know, when it's talked about there, the Greek word used in the New Testament, they're clearly carrying the connotations of denying our fleshly desires, talking about sexual things, but beyond just sexual things, the word connotates, carries, denotes um, all areas of, you know, fleshly desire or passions, um, things that consume us, desires that consume us. And that can be non-sexual. It can be these other things like sports, video gaming, um, on down the line like that. It can be even food or alcohol for people. They don't have the temperance. They don't have the restraint that they need to have, and they get overtaken by those things. And they're out of the fight. And I've seen many good men, uh, Joseph and Tony, who, um, you know, on fire for Christ um, for years, and then all of a sudden, boom, out because of this. Where do you think, or how do you think we got here in terms of our nation in particular? I mean, we, we started with pretty clear biblical Christian virtues in, in our founding, um, and, and, you know, and not really historically that long of a time uh, have crumbled down to kind of where we are now. I mean, how, how do you think that we went from enjoying things that are perfectly fine to enjoy to, to basically making them an all-encompassing thing that we've given ourselves over to, whether that be like what we're talking about, whether that be uh, sexual immorality uh, or even the, just the sports, the uh, food, the alcohol, all of these kind of things. And, and um, how do you think we, we got ourselves to this point? Well, I think one of the things you have to look at is the impact of wealth and ease upon any society. And um, when you study history, when you study scripture, when you look at the writings of the early churchmen and the reformers, they all spoke about wealth and ease and the detriment that it has upon a people. Um, it, it's bad. And it, it is something that you have to guard yourself against so that you're not consumed by the desire. So I think just our nation, the wealth that it produced because of people's Christian ethic, because of their Christian work ethic, you know, the Protestant work ethic, and because of their, um, you know, Christian consensus and Christian values that were held early on in this country, the hard work that was done, the sacrifices that were made produced wealth. And you follow the history of men, the succeeding generation becomes looser in their morals. And then the next generation becomes even looser in their morals. So this is a huge thing that the Bible speaks about, that Christian men have written about for 2,000 years, the detriment of wealth and ease, how it needs to be guarded against so you don't become consumed by it and destroyed by it. And here's the second thing, why I think we've gotten to this point where self-control is lost amongst young men, and that's the breakdown of the family. So many young men were not raised in good homes and many good Christian young men, many Christian young men were not raised in good Christian homes. Um, you know, they had the outward veneer, but there was catastrophe going on behind the walls. Um, when you look at the state of the family now, more than half of children don't live in a two-parent home in this country. Um, that has a devastating effect. When there's not a father in the house, 
to be an example to the young men within the home of what a man is, how he governs his life, uh, what's important to him, um, to convey and, and um, hand that off to his sons, that has a devastating effect upon how young men turn out. And I, I come from a broken home. Um, my dad left on Christmas Eve when I was 11 years old. And I remember thinking back then, you know, because people would say to me, oh, that's so bad. That's, I feel so bad for you. And I'd be thinking as a kid, what do you feel bad about? It's like, I don't, it's not like a big deal to me. You know, I felt awful that he left for a month or two, but it wasn't like a big deal. It wasn't until I became a man and I had a wife and we began to have children and raise our children that I realized how much behind the eight ball I was because I didn't have a father in the home, how much of a detriment that was to me as a young man. So the breakup of the family is a huge cause as to why we have young men who are just, they have no self-government, no self-control. Even Christian young men are lacking in this area in a tremendous fashion, tremendous bad fashion. So it's something that good men, young men, any age man <laughs> needs to remember that the scripture calls us to have self-control. I mean, you look at Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, it says, um, whoever has no self-control over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. That's, is or whoever literally the verse no... that we read at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that right there, that is what you're like. If you don't have self-control, you're just like a mess, you know, a broken down mess. And, of course, Peter wrote about these things, you know, in First Peter 4, 7, the importance of self-control. And Luke in the book of Acts, talks about Paul sharing the gospel, declaring God's law and word and gospel to Felix and his wife. And it says in chapter 24, verse 25, that Paul reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. And of course, Felix and his wife immediately sent him away. <laughs> they didn't want to talk to him about these things. <laughs> because they were not moral people. We know historically they were not moral people. And here he is talking about righteousness, self-control, which clearly came into the purview of sexual sin also, and then the coming judgment. Um, but this was part of the gospel presentation, talking about these things. And we know Christ is the one who sets us free from sin, um, unslaves us from sin so that we can actually live for God. And that's an important point for people to know. You cannot live for God without God. That's how he's made it to be. Christ is the vine. We are the branches. We can do nothing without him. His spirit in us enables us to live as Christian men and women. And having self-control over our desires, our passions, our um, lusts, these are important. That's an important part of living as Christian Men and women, I, I spend a lot of time on the universities. Well, I used to before they shut them down and all this nonsense going on. But um, I would always talk to young Christian people, and I was stunned. I'll tell both of you, brothers, I was stunned at how many young Christian men and women think it's perfectly fine to fornicate. They've never heard anything other than it's okay to fornicate. Even when you have C-spot run stuff right in the Bible, 
speaking against fornication. That's how lawless, that's how lacking self-control is amongst many young Christian people. Amen to that. Um, so a follow-up to my question on that is, so that's how we got here, right? That's how we got out of control and how we gave ourselves over to it. Um, at sure. times in history, there's there's been, I think, I guess you might want to call it an overcorrection, because we're talking about like the temperance yeah. movement and things where it's just, well, we're going to go the exact opposite to the polar extreme of we're just not going to do anything. Um, can we talk about that for a minute and about and dangers in that and how to even just avoid going that direction? Because, you know, that seems like a little more understandable when you look at the culture the way it is. People are just like, I want absolutely nothing to do with any of this stuff, even if things are okay, you know, within within normal means. Um I think the temptation is to just like just run away, you know, almost become Amish and live out and <laughs> you know never have any interaction <laughs> with other people. Uh, so, how uh, what are the dangers of that, and and how do we avoid going that far um, to the extreme? Yeah, well, um, on every road there's a ditch on either side, and <laughs> you can fall into one ditch or you can fall into the other. Clearly, the the worst ditch, the bigger ditch right now, is people falling into a lack of self-control and just imbibing upon um, immorality, wealth, ease, food, <laughs> you know, alcohol, whatever it may be. But yeah, you can go to the other extreme too. And we've seen that where people make up all kinds of man-made rules regarding, um, you know, dress. You brought up the Amish, for example, um, in order to counter what's going on. And some of those rules can be um, extreme. Um, when it comes to alcohol, you can have people who say you should never you buy, you should never drink alcohol, which the scriptures don't teach that. Um, speaks against drunkenness. It speaks against you know being enthralled with it, all that kind of thing, which of course speaks of the lack of self control. But yeah, you can go to the opposite extreme and just try to hide from everything. When it comes to sexual things within our home. Um, all of our kids, um, we talk to them age appropriate about sexual things because mom and dad should talk to their kids about these things. We don't wait till they're age 12 and have a little talk about the birds and the bees and all that kind of stuff. Whatever comes up throughout the day that needs to be spoken of, you know, from time to time, then we speak about those things with them appropriately for their age so that they don't, um, yeah, you know, not prudes here, or something like that. Um, sexual matters are given to us by God. Our, you know, sexual desire is given to us by God um, to want to be with someone, to spend our life with them. It has to be taught them how you contextualize and how you behave um, regarding those desires. Extremely important to do, and the parents need to do it. They shouldn't think some little fairy's going to come down at night and do it for them or some coach or something. It's their duty to do it. And they should talk to their kids, um, talk to their kids about these things. Um, and every kid's different. You know, some kids have questions earlier than others and that type of thing. Um, so yeah, you can go to an extreme and get, you know, and go to some kind of crazy extreme, you know, but Clearly, the worst problem right now is the other side of the ditch in this culture mm -hmm. regarding the lack of self-control. Um, you know, like John Wesley used to get up, right, at 5 a.m. every day 
and he used to go to bed at 9 p.m. They said when he went to bed at 9 p.m., sometimes he'd be in the middle of a sentence, and it'd be 9 p.m., and he would say, I, I go to bed now, and he'd just get up and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, that's amazing self-control. Right I'm going to try but that tonight. I'm going to, in the middle of a sentence with my wife, I, I'm going to bed now. It might have been a little bizarre to some people. I know his wife didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Matt, um, I have a kind of a twofold question, which you're already kind of answering, which is how do we teach our children temperance, self-control? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then for ourselves, how do we begin to develop? Maybe we've been out of control. What do we do to get into control, self-control? Yeah, those are great questions. When it comes to the children and teaching them um, about self-control regarding these matters, of um, sexual things and whatnot. Um, you know, to me, family worship is massively important. We we conduct family worship in our home. We still conduct family worship in our home. Our youngest sister, we have four kids left at home. Um, you know, 13, 15, 17, 19. We still gather for family worship, me, mom, and the kids. Um, and we go through a book at a time. And so you invariably come up with these matters um, from time to time. So it's extremely informative to them in order to teach them from God's word what he thinks about these matters. What is proper self-control? I always try to teach my kids, you can't take an ethic that the Bible speaks of and try to define it outside of scripture. Uh, If you, for example, if you take the word love and you define it outside of scripture, you can get it you can use it to justify anything. I mean, they use it to justify two men and two women getting married. Um, the ethic of love has to be defined by scripture. The ethic of self-control has to be defined by scripture. Um, so these are things we teach our kids along the way regarding through family worship, because they invariably come up. The other thing is when it comes to us, and I think we all go through cycles in our lives where we, um, we get tired, um, we don't, we get fatigued, <laughs> you know, we, um, just get more, uh, loosey goosey and like, um, the plot of the day, <laughs> you know what I mean? Of making sure we get done the things that need to get done and whatnot. Um, and so I think it's important for us, A, to be around other good brothers who love Christ and want to live faithful to him because we provoke each other unto love and good works then by doing so. But we also need to make sure that we're in his word individually. I try to tell people that not just at church, not just at family worship, you alone privately. Very important to keep that mirror, you know, his word in front of your face. Um, because this helps keep us on the straight and narrow, keep us on track so we're not just frittering away our time due to our lack of self-control. People pick up their phone like the new cigarette right people used to yes. sit around and smoke cigarettes and poof 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 now they sit there on their phone and go ding 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 ding. you know they're scrolling through and you're just like it's the new cigarette mm-hmm. you know and they'll, they'll fritter away hours and hours of their time on that crazy device um so these are things we have to rein in uh, we'll even do things here we still do it here where we'll spend anywhere from a week to a month on what we call a digital fast 
you know, because we have all this inundation, yep. this information age, and you get, you just get out of whack. You know what I mean? So you lose proper perspective of having good self-government, good self-control, so you're productive. And I think when we know Christ, we want to be productive. I think it's just in us to be productive. And um, so when we're off base on that, like having this fast from digital world helps get our equilibrium back. Those are just a few things to share with you about that. No, that's good. I, that's that's very good. I think uh, the digital fast thing is actually incredibly effective. Um, there was a point... Um, I want to say it was like, I think it's two, it might, it might have been a year and a half ago. It was right before we did the show um, where I took like three months, I think, offline. I just deleted all my accounts, went offline for like three months. It's kind of funny because then people start like messaging you and, you know, trying to text you or call you. Yeah. Like, are, are you dead? <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> like, what happened? You know, and you're like, no, I just, I got off, I got off Facebook and I'm off Twitter and all these things. And they're like, yeah, but are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I'm better now. I'm good. <laughs> um, but it, it is amazing. Like it really, if, if you're listening and you've never done that, it is actually really amazing to see the difference in yourself after you do it for a, a period of time. And I, I'll be honest with you, you have to do it for a decent period of time. Um, it's, it, it's, it truly is like a detox. It really is. Like you, 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 I think you go through this, this period of like going like, what did I do? Did, what did I do? You know, like I'm, I'm all, or I deleted my account or whatever, however you did it. And then, and then you kind of like wondering what everybody else said, but then slowly you kind of get back into normal life where you're like, this is good. I'm fine. I got more time now. I'm not looking at my phone all the time. Or I got, again, like you were saying, productivity, like because you're exercising mm-hmm. some kind of, you're forcing yourself to exercise self-control, like you, you get more productive. It, it really is. It's an amazing thing. Anybody listening, I would encourage you to try it at least once, if not multiple times, but it's, it is a really amazing thing to do. Um, so we're, I don't want to keep you all night here. So we're rolling up on some of the end of our time and stuff too, but, um, sure. in, in today's, which with, with so much wickedness and everything going on around us, um, what kind of words do you have for, for men that right now are trying to figure out how do I become more productive? How do I, you know, maybe they're listening and they're just, they're being hit by this and realizing I don't have self-control. Like, like maybe they're listening to this and they've already switched apps on their phone eight times and checked a bunch of notifications and they've ignored their wife and ignored their kids. They haven't had family worship or something yet or, or whatever that might be. Or, or I don't know, that maybe they, they're into alcohol too much or, or whatever it might be. What would be your, your, we try to make at the end of every segment, like practical advice. What would be your practical advice for that man um, to learn self-control, and then uh, be able to be productive because of that. Yeah, I think it's important that you set up rigors uh, within your life. In other words, plan out your day. Don't just let yourself be moved through your day. Um, A lot of men, you know, their day is set up by their work, and that's good. Um, So, but to have rigors set up, you know, prior to your work, subsequent to your work, those are good things too. We do family worship at our house in the morning and you don't have to do it in the morning, but we do it in the morning because we find it works best for us in our home. And it sets the tone for the day. And if we don't do family worship, and it's only for 10 or 15 minutes, um, if we don't do family worship, I can see the difference in my children. It's like their day seems 
amok. <laughs> you know, it's like we didn't set the tone for the day. We didn't set up that. We didn't accomplish that rigor. And so they just don't produce as much um, throughout the rest of the day. I've seen that with my own eyes. So I think that's important to do to set up rigors subsequent to work, um, uh, prior to work, I should say, and subsequent to work, what you'll do. Um, and a lot of people are working at home now since all this stuff's been going on more so than ever. And so it's very easy to, um, so now that work is enforcing you to do it, like school used to force you to do it. Um, yeah, they become, they come, become undone because of it. So it's important for you to make sure you have set up rigors so that you're productive, so that you accomplish things that you want to get done. Um, and that just allow, and there are days, yeah, you just got to allow yourself to be taken into areas that you didn't think you were going to be taken into. Shouldn't be that rigid, but you need to have rigors in order to be productive, show um, self-government. I'll tell you for any single men out there um, who lack self-control, marriage is a great way to begin to learn self-control because A, you become responsible for another person, your wife but especially once you start having children and they come along and I've had people tell me over the years, uh, brothers, you know, they're like, I don't think those people, they shouldn't get married. They're too immature. And I always tell them the same thing. I said, yeah, we were all too immature. <laughs> when we got married, <laughs> marriage is one of the things that matures us. And one of the things it does too is helps us develop self-control in our lives so that we are more productive so that we get done what needs to get done and aren't just frittering our way our time. And you'll, I'm sure your experience has been too. You see more productivity from married people than you do single people mm -hmm. the majority of the time. I'm not saying it's like that with every person, but basically speaking, it's amazing how much time single people can fritter away compared to married people with children. Mm -hmm. Amen. So marriage is a good thing. <laughs> for self-control. Yeah, yeah, we, we've probably mentioned that uh, just you know just a few times on the show, just just a couple. So, <laughs> all right, well, we're heading at the end of our time here. So, uh, before we get off, um, how can people get in contact with you or find you? Maybe shoot you a message or something like that, or read your books. Sure, we have a, a church website called MercySeat.net. You can get a hold of me there. Um, the easiest way to get a hold of me is really DefyTyrants.com. And DefyTyrants.com is all about the lesser magistrate doctrine, resistance to tyrants, giving a biblical view of these matters. And um, you can subscribe to our emails there. Um, you can check out our blogs, our materials. That book I've written on the doctrine of lesser magistrates sold well over 40,000 copies now. It just keeps selling and so many people still learning about it. Um, and we have a, uh, we have a YouTube page, um, a YouTube channel called Defy Tyrants. And you can go to Defy Tyrants at YouTube. Um, you can also check out uh, my sermons at sermonaudio.com. Just put in my name. Or you can go to YouTube. We have a YouTube channel now also um, where the sermons are at. And the YouTube channel for that is called Matt Chuelo. And I just did a sermon this last Sunday entitled White Coats and Purse Strings. I'm preaching through judges right now. That's an expositional preacher. I go through verse by verse of a book. I believe Judges is the 41st book I'm preaching through at Mercy Seat, our church, um, right now. And um, But I did a topical sermon this last Sunday where I went into a lot of history of Christianity. 
So anyways, those are the ways to get a hold of me um, or to see, you know, things I have to say. And I love talking with people. I try to do the best I can talking with people. Sometimes people contact me and they're like, I can't believe you actually called me up. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, you asked me to. No, I love talking to Christian men who love Christ. You know, it isn't like they're mm. falling off the trees, right? <laughs> like, so when you see young men or men and men any age and they have an interest in Christ and the things of him, yeah, I want to talk to them and, you know, fellowship. Amen. So it's good. Yep. Well, good stuff, Matt. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time tonight. And thank you for coming back on. And uh, we appreciate it. Well, thank you, brothers. I, I appreciate the time. And I appreciate all that you're doing because you're hitting such a massively important area of life that has been under assault for so long by wicked men. And you're giving people the tools so that they can do right by Christ and right by their homes. And so I thank you for that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. God bless you. That was Pastor Matt Truella of Mercy Seat Christian Church, author of The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates and writer for DefyTyrants.com. You are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It was a good interview with Matt. Uh, we had him on a long time ago. I want to say that was episode know, two, three, something like that. It was way back. Yep. It was some back, sometime way back then. Um, good to have him back on. I think a lot of what he had to say is in, in incredibly <laughs> relevant right now, especially with just how bad our, our nation is falling into all of its vices uh, and honestly God giving us over to it. Um, but... Since we're talking to men who don't want to do that, and Christian men, um, I know you have a list of some areas to be temperate in, uh, areas that we should focus on. So why don't we go to that and uh, talk about that? Yeah. Um, one verse I wanted to lay out for us real quick was uh, Proverbs 23, uh, 2. It's if uh, uh, basically says that if you are, let me read it to you. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies for their deceptive food. Mm. Um, one of the one of the reasons we need to develop temperance is so that we're not mastered by uh, tyrants. We're not mastered by wickedness we're not and and we're not easily enslaved we can keep our wits about us and do what is right uh we can keep prudence and we can keep moral courage and do what is right when we're not enslaved and with all this stuff with like people being censored and and like canceled what are you talking about that doesn't happen to anybody we know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um 
it's important then for us to be self-controlled so that we're not a slave and they can't, while they might cancel your social media, they're not actually being able to cancel you and to stop you from right. the ministry and the mission that God has given you. And, um, but one of the things that's really weighed on me is like the, the, the stock market stuff going on all around us. It, it's just revealing to me that a lot of the, uh, our economy is kind of built on a house of cards. And so if you're just enslaved to your passions, you're not going to be able to to survive. Well, in many ways, the stock market is a slave to people's passions. I mean, if you, if you, obviously there are wise ways to, to uh, trade stocks and, and, and do those things. We're not saying don't do that, but in terms of just the stock market in general and how the stock market fluctuates up and down and these crazy um, dips and you know heights that they go to, uh, most of the time, it is very much, if nearly all the time, very much just because of people's emotions. It's because of people's fears and people's misguided hopes on some things too. And yeah, we're, we're seeing that <laughs> play out ma- massively right now. Um, not just the people that are you know, trading on GameStop or whatever like that, but even the uh, the hedge funds that are just going out of their minds because these hedge funds that have tons of money are now losing like, you know, 52% of whatever they had. And um, you see people's lives just completely um, crumble away. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's I don't have it on here, but money obviously is an area in which we need to be temperate and thinking of not to be, we don't, we want to be self-controlled in. Mm-hmm. Um. Another uh, so let me go through my areas here, thinking of these uh, that we want to be controlled, self-controlled. And the first one uh, is probably obvious: is is food. Proverbs twenty three twenty one: For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Mm-hmm. You know, we all need to eat, and eating is good. Um, there are times in life to feast. Uh, uh, you know, we're on the Fight Laugh Feast Network, mm-hmm. and <laughs> there are times in life to feast, but the problem is I don't think we really know how to feast because we don't know what it's like not to feast. Yeah, especially in our country, that is, wow, that is very, very true. And I'm going to be honest, I'll be blat- blatantly honest, God has disciplined me in this area even lately, and this is something I have had to repent of and I'm still repenting of it is just so easy just to like chow down on stuff that's not good for you. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy just to keep eating when you don't need to eat. And, um, you know, fasting, um, is a good way to kind of combat this. Um, but it, it is an area where you need to, we need to be considerate of it. This will make us drowsy. And, and worn out all the time, especially giving ourselves lots of sugars and sweets all the time. And again, like I said, uh, God disciplines me in it. And uh, uh, um, in fact, there, there's a saying that we say to my son, it has nothing really to do about food, but it has to do about self-control. It's like, son, we want you to be self-disciplined so that you don't need the discipline from the outside. Mm-hmm. You, <clears throat> you don't need external discipline. Um, because you're self-disciplined and I've said the same things to my, I mean, not those words, but the same things to my sons in terms of, 
you know, we're, I'm trying to teach you, yeah, self-control, especially uh, as a, you know, one-day man, uh, because I don't want you to grow up to be a man one day who somebody else has to discipline because it's going to be that much more severe uh, than it would be, you know, as, as a child. But yeah, that's a, that's an incredibly good point. All right, well, let's move on to the next thing. So, you know, um, God gave us pleasures in life. I mean, there's a lot of so many good gifts and temperance is knowing how to use them in the right way and at the right time and with the right people. And so um, sex is a huge area that we must be temperate in. And um, temperance for a man that's not married means no sex. Right. Until you're married. But there, there is a way to even be intemperate in marriage with, with sex. And intemperance can be uh, um, either too much of something or not enough of it. Mm-hmm. And so you you can be intemperate in your relationship with your wife by not being romantic toward her, not caring for her, and, and, and providing her uh, your duties as a man. Mm-hmm. And you can also be intemperate by like demanding these from her all the time in such a way that, you know, that you're just wearing her out because her, uh, she's worn out from the kids all day yep, and you yep, don't have any consideration. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I think touch on the, the single men thing here too is, um, I think one of the ways to make sure that you can be self-controlled in that too is, is not just the, I mean, obviously it's the most important part is to not have sex until you're married. But even to just make sure that, I mean, it's probably, some of this seems so basic, but it, it bears repeating, is just be careful what you put in front of your eyes. Um, be careful uh, what you're watching on TV, or if, if that's just something you can't do, although I wouldn't recommend watching a lot of TV. Um, even things like uh, maybe, I, I've, I've talked to some men who have told me that Instagram for them is a huge problem uh, because of just... The you know there's in every social media platform YouTube Instagram whatever there's always these recommended posts or recommended videos or whatever. Um, well, generally if you're interested in more manly things, uh, even if you're interested in guns or whatever something like that on there, they're probably just because you're male going to feed you images of of very scantily clad women. And I've had men talk to me and just be like, I just had to delete my Instagram account because I couldn't handle it, which I think is a very good thing to do then. Uh, but my point is, is that you're, you are, it's no joke. Uh, you are going to be inundated with those kind of images and those kind of temptations on purpose by our culture and by our world, by things you watch, by anything uh, out in the world. And you just have to be very careful with it. And you have to know yourself and know how strong you are at the moment and, and have self-control enough to be able to deny those things until you're married and to not look at another woman in that way, because it's just going to make it that much harder for you to, uh, not have sex until you're married. Um, and I, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this episode, but I mean, I unfortunately, uh, was not a virgin when I got married and I wish I was. Um, but I learned a lot of lessons <laughs> from that, that I will pass on to my boys. And one of them very much is, is be very, very, very careful what you put in front of your eyes uh, even who you let yourself be around, and uh, just just to guard your heart very carefully with that. So I I didn't want to like sweep our single <laughs> uh, male uh, fans you know to the to the side there as we talked about marriage. Um, I I wanted to give them something on that too because we're in the kind of our practical uh, part of our our segment here. 
Well, so uh, the obvious next one, when we think temperance, you might have immediately thought of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, yeah, we ought to be uh, temperate. Um, this, there, there is always ditches and there's always a pendulum swing. So growing up and for uh, much of evangelical Christianity, alcohol was like, it was the, the worst sin you can possibly do. It was a sin, right? You're not allowed to do that. And I think Reformed Christians, my generation and younger, have kind of recognized that's not what Scripture says. And so we we have the temptation, though, if we're not careful, to swing it all the way to the other side. Yep, absolutely. And and uh, in such a way that we don't have any—we uh, just don't consider the dangers of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the things God gives us to enjoy are dangerous, and so God expects us to exercise self-control and to have the, the, the Holy Spirit lead us. And so alcohol can, is certainly one of those things. Well, there's this temptation of that because, uh, well, with anything, but we're talking about that pendulum swing. And I think that um, being self-controlled or, or not having self-control can go on both sides of that. Because obviously self-control is the middle road of that and the ditches on either side, right? But I think the, the not... And we're not just talking about alcohol, but not just participating in any of these things that God has given us for enjoyment um, is even in and of itself a demonstration of a lack of self-control because you won't even put yourself any close to it because you're you're admitting, I have no self-control. Now, that's not to say that if everybody should all of a sudden now just go straight to the thing that they're having, you know, trouble with self-control on. But my point is just that there, there are dangers on both sides of that. And some of that danger is too, is when you say you're on one side of it, I guess since we're talking about alcohol, let's just go with that. So you're on one side of it and you realize, well, actually the Bible doesn't say I shouldn't drink alcohol. And then you just go full tilt to the other ditch. You just dive right over the road into the other ditch um, because you're just like, well, I'm just free to do whatever I want. Well, that's not self-control, and it's dangerous, especially with alcohol. And uh, you, again, temperance, self-control, everything in moderation, you can enjoy, like you said, even things that God has given you that are somewhat dangerous, uh, guns, that's <laughs> that's one that I enjoy. Um, but I just, I think it's, be careful if you're on the other side of any of these ditches that you don't just hop straight over the middle of the road into the other ditch. Well, let me, uh, I got three more real quick that we want right. to get through. And um, so the next one is rest. Proverbs 6, 6 through 9. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gather her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? So rest, relaxation, they're necessary parts of life. God has called us to times of rest. Um, and yet God calls us to hard work as well. And to be intemperate on either of those sides, those ditches, is dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous. You, you come into poverty when you're always resting. And you, you, and you also train your body to, 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 uh, to not be able to exhort effort and energy as it should. And uh, along with rest and relaxation comes entertainment and and all the things that go along with that, and uh, many people are, as as uh, Pastor Matt has said in our other segment, are giving themselves to fake battles, whether it's in video games or in movies or things like that, to the point of like they're not engaged in the real battle. Yep. yep. So so that's that's one. Um, the next the next area. 
And these are a little less, you would not have uh, thought of this, but this is, uh, the next one is our emotions. Mm -hmm. our, our, our feelings uh, and, you know, uh, are basically our, our moods and those things. Like, like Proverbs 16, 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. So you've got ruling your spirit, self-control mixed with anger there, this idea of controlling our emotions, not being quick to anger, not being quick to uh, to always be led by your emotions, be quickly swayed back and forth, like, oh, one minute you're down, the next minute you're up. And, um, you know, we live in a time when... Uh, a lot of that intemperance on that is often characterized as some kind of uh, disease or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, so psychologically mm -hmm. we make excuses for it rather than recognizing that a man of God controls his emotions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we've talked about it before, but uh, you know, we're not saying that people don't have things that may be medically wrong with them, but we are very quick as a culture to just sweep it under the rug and put some kind of medical label on it and then medicate the heck out of somebody instead of and basically just masking what is actually going on underneath, uh, which a lot of times can just be sin. It, it just could be an effect of sin, uh, maybe long-term. Actually, as you're talking about like sleep, uh, you know, lethargy or whatever, I mean, there, you know, you could actually have something wrong with you. It could just be because you sleep all the time and your body's just really used to sleeping all the time. And you have to just get yourself out of bed and exercise and get into the habit of doing that. But yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. And the emotion thing, to take it one step further, the, the other thing we're seeing is it's not just even like giving yourself to anger and, and these massive mood swings, but now we're seeing society sort of celebrate it. I mean, like, well, now I just, I feel, I feel like a woman. That's what I feel inside. And, and cause I, cause I feel this in my emotions and everybody's like, yeah, go with that. Like we're actually encouraging further delusion into the uh, abuse of emotions. It just, it's a telling sign. This last one is very similar to the, to the one of the emotions. And it, it, you might think, well, it's a distinction without a difference, but, um, and this is attitude. You, um, your attitude is kind of like your approach to life, and I, so your your yeah. your emotions are play a part of it. But your attitude and and people. Uh, one of the ways I would describe this is somebody you get like you get real excited about um, some new project and you throw yourself into it. And uh, men are easy to do this, right? We <laughs> yes. Forget everything else we're doing. We throw ourselves into a project, and then it gets hard and difficult, and we're ready to move on to something else. Right. Yeah. And um, so we want—we don't want to be blown to and fro in our attitudes towards things, um, the the directions that we we go in. We have to be—we have to master our spirit, and. Uh, uh, that is a gift from the Lord. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit, and it's work that we have to do. But we do it so that we can be effective. Actually, uh, last thing I kind of want to say before we wrap it up is that uh, the Apostle Peter talks about how we add uh, to our faith moral courage 
we add to our moral courage knowledge, and then we add to our knowledge temperance. And uh, um, and then he goes on, and the, the list there, the, the, the end goal is love. Mm-hmm. And then he says, if we do this, we'll be effective. We will be effective. And the other thing is we can have confidence that we'll make it into to heaven. We'll have the confidence that we'll make it into the kingdom. And uh, a person who has self-control, um, man, is effective for the kingdom. Whereas those who are just blown by their passions, their attitudes, given to lusts and to food and drink and all the other things, uh, most of the time, almost all the time, are never effective for the kingdom and probably don't have a whole lot of assurance. Yeah, that's that's for sure. It'll, it'll rob you of that. Well, folks, that is our episode for this week. If you like this episode, do you like our show and you want to support it, you know what I'm going to say, so go do it. Go to FightLaughFeast.com, click to sign up to become a member, and use the code PATRIARCHY when you do if you want to support the show. It also gets you access to our other show, After the Sandwich, which is available to members only, and also other behind-the-scenes content and extra material from other show hosts on our network. So go to fightlaughfeast.com, click to sign up to become a member and use the code PATRIARCHY to support our show. There are different tiers of membership, by the way, if you didn't know. So you can pick one that fits your budget. There's really something for everybody there. So go to fightlaughfeast.com, support our show, and use the code PATRIARCHY to become a member. If you want to get yourself some patriarchy swag, some patriarchy merchandise, trigger some feminists, and support our show all in one fell swoop, how about that? Go to confessionalware.com, click on podcast collaborations, and find our show there. We've got a bunch of shirts. We even have some for women, and we have a couple coffee mugs, and we have more coming this year, so stay tuned for that. But there is enough there right now to whet your appetite and probably trigger somebody on your uh, coffee break. So go to confessionalware.com, click on podcast collaborations, and find our show there and support us and support our friends over there. So until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, Repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is the patriarchy. 